Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, back with legendary investor and somebody I look up to, April Crosley. How are you doing, April? Good. Thanks for having me, Michael. Absolutely. I remember all our conversations. I've gone back to watch, watch them. Uh, I, you're just so much fun to speak with. Thank you for all you do. Yeah, thank you. I feel like I could talk to you all day. I say that every time. But you're so easy to talk to. It's nice. <laughs> it's fun, right? We have uh, we've been do- we've been doing real estate a long time, right? Both of us started mm-hmm. before the last crash, right? A lot of people talking real estate today. You see it all over YouTube and social media. They've only known the last five or six years, which has been like the easiest market ever. I'm right? just gonna say that insanely. <laughs> insanely easy. Yeah. yeah. If you couldn't make money in the last six years, you weren't paying attention. It yeah. was that easy. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I think we're in for a shift. You know, I yeah. don't think there's any nasty crash. It's certainly, let's be clear. I'm not calling for an 08 crash. Fresno, California is not going to go down 75%, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy either. What are you seeing out there? Yeah. So I definitely agree. It's shifting already. I mean, anybody that follows anyone that's way, way smarter than me knows that it's shifting already. Um, And we've been preparing for it for well over a year or two. I mean, there's people that reach out to me all the time and they're like, where's your before and after pictures? Did you stop flipping houses? I'm like, I started wholesaling them all because (laughs) why wouldn't I? Because investors are paying crazy amounts and my rehab costs are uncontrollable. Like I can't with the material costs going up, then coming down, then going back up and contractor prices going up and then coming down and going back up. I'm like, it's honestly, like I've been flipping since 2004. And I just had a conversation with one of my contractors the other day. And I was like, I feel like it's riskier to flip now than it ever was before. Not because we're going to see like a market crash, but because there's so many unknowns out there in the market that for me, I'm, very risk adverse. So it's easier for me to wholesale something off to another investor, not have to hold it for six months, Mm -hmm. not have to worry about rehab costs and contractors, which there's a massive contractor shortage, let let alone a supply shortage. I can't think how many people are like, I've been waiting like eight, 10 weeks for windows, Windows, like always. So, and I don't want to wait that six month time period because about look how much things have changed in the last six months. Yeah. let alone six more months from now. So I tell people like, you got to be real careful when you're buying stuff right now, real conservative, very careful. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's not only flipping. I think there's a lot of people that it got, I guess I hate any time, anything in real estate where I see somebody pushing the easy button, it frankly mm-hmm. pisses me off. Yeah. Right. Because somebody who's talking about Burr is the one that it's got my goat today. Um, Burr has been a great, area. I have done lots of successful burrs, mm-hmm. but those were five years ago, mm-hmm. four years ago, mm-hmm. right? Telling people to do a burr project today in a market where prices are probably flat. And you and I both know a refi appraisal is not a purchase appraisal into an environment where interest rates are up 250 basis points in a hundred days. 
that's criminal. Okay. They're going to leave money in the deal, and heaven forbid they borrowed money from somebody else. They're they're, mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna be done. They have one bad experience. They're never coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people have to be really conservative, and everybody wants that fast, quick, easy, like you said, easy button deal. And that's just that's not how anything in my real estate career has ever gone. No, like no. I'm very much, I've very much been like slow, steady, methodical patience, this business will bring you to your knees and teach you patience. Like it just will. But if you can learn that and hold on and be slow and steady methodical and have that patience and be conservative with your investing, you can do well in any market. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do a burr right now, that's fine, but you better be getting a good deal. You better be banking on refinancing at a higher interest rate with a lower LTV. Like when people come to me and I'm like, what is it going to look like when you do the cash out refinance? And they're like, oh, 80%, 80% uh, LTV and 4.5%. I'm like, when was the last time you talked to the bank about that? Because if it was more than 15 days ago, you need to go back and talk to them again and see what it's like now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I need you to tack on less of an LTV and a higher interest rate because you might not refi out for six months. Mm -hmm. So banks might tighten up their lending. So you might be looking at a lower LTV and a higher interest rate. So people just, um, it goes back to the whole underestimating your ARV, fluffing up your interest rate you're going to refi out of. But I agree, like in the burr space, in the syndication space, even in the flipping space, like everything, you just have to, people have to be willing to give you a really good deal. And yeah, you have to tighten up your numbers. People have gotten sloppy. Like you yes. said, the past couple of years are so easy. They're like, oh, ARV is 180 to 220. I'm going to go with 220. Then they put it on the market and they get 270. Exactly. And it's like, that's all they know. That's yeah. all they know. So they're sloppy. And when you're sloppy, you get yourself in trouble. Yeah, that, that was going to be the next topic. Um, you know, you talked about being conservative and you just continually invest in going slow. It's absolutely right. Again, you and I started before the last crash. I mean, mm-hmm. how many people do we know that had did that? Not many. Mm-hmm. And the biggest lesson I remember is the cockier you were, the more certain you were, the more single-threaded you were, the faster you went bankrupt. I knew a guy that was worth 10 million bucks. Legit. Eight figures. He was flipping uh, million-dollar homes and crushing it for years. Mm-hmm. The market changed. He was arrogant. He thought he had the Midas touch. I remember the house he didn't take a 50K loss on. If he were to taken a 50K loss on this, he probably survives. He didn't. By the time that house sold, he had to carry it another six months. It got a short sell by the bank. And then every other property he had went under. Mm-hmm. Lots of you listening are cocky today. You have best practices that are not very good. It's the market bailed you out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cha- the market is shifting. It is absolutely changing. Days on market are going to double and triple. Uh, we're going to see price cuts from the truly motivated. Builders are already losing. The market is changing. We're not going to have 19 days on market. That's not normal. It's I just crazy. I just listened to a guy the other day that was a developer that was talking about like backing out of some development deals, he's like, costs have just gone up so much. I can't, I just can't risk that. Like I can't risk with where costs are at. 
And then not only like even just prices, people are getting way more, but the, the rehabs you're seeing, and I know because I'm house shopping right now, mm-hmm. the houses and the prices people are paying for them, it's it's shocking. Anything that goes on the market and you see the pictures and you're like, wow, that looks kind of nice. And you walk through it and you're like, this house is so shitty. It's like, yeah, exactly. For like, you're asking whatever, like $400,000 for this house and this, I would never pay $400,000 for this hunk of junk. Like people just are, not even really putting in like real rehab. And I'm yeah. like, I remember when I started flipping, you had to be like the shiniest in, penny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because you're in competition with all these other houses that are also sitting on the market. So you had to be like on point. They don't know how to pay for rehab costs to be on point. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I got to ask just directly, right? Do you see a real estate crash? I'll define a crash as 20% or greater. Do you see one in the next year or two? Mm-hmm. I don't. I do not, but I also know that a question like that really has to be looked at on like a micro market level. So my markets that I'm in are very flat, Mm -hmm. um, markets that have huge swings. Like I, my parents live in Southwest Florida and I have friends down there. My friend's an agent, he works with buyers and he's like, I pretty much just go to a buyer meeting and say, if you can pay a hundred thousand dollars cash over asking, no matter what it appraises for you're golden. I'll work with you. (laughs) If you, if you can't don't waste my time, just don't waste my time. So that's, what's going on in Southwest Florida. And I'm like, I markets like that scare me. Like I just won't buy there because I'm, I'm in a flat market. Like even in the last quote unquote crash, the market I primarily invest in in Pennsylvania, we're just like humming along. Like I'm not saying we didn't have any issues, but we don't, we might go like this, like, boop, like you can barely notice it. Whereas other markets like, whoom, like really drop off the cliff. Yeah. Fresno, California peak to trough last crisis, 75%. That's wow. a haircut. Yeah. It took wow. about four, three and a half years, but peak to trough. It was, it was fun. And again, we, I actually like Cal. I actually like that market. Right. Because mm-hmm. I, I, again, I watch it. I look at my market April. Every you study day, it. Every so you day. know what's going on. Yeah. And, and I get out just like in my book, one run at a time. What did I do? I sold all of my eight houses in 1031 into apartments. Why? Houses were overpriced. Apartments weren't. And yeah. then in 2019, I, I saw um, uh, a market change coming and I actually sold two apartment buildings. It turned out to be a bad choice because I didn't see a pandemic and rates going to zero. Yeah. But again, I'm, I study my market all the time. If I think stuff's overpriced, I will sell. And I, I prefer yeah. to 1031, but I'll pay taxes if I have to. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, you definitely have to be aware of what's happening like right there in your market, for yeah. sure. There's definitely some markets I feel a little scared for people. Yeah, me too. Like, yeah. again, any market where you have to pay 100K over, you know, above appraisal, that's a market that might feel good in the moment, but there will eventually be, you know, yeah. hangover, I think. And the people paying for it. I'm like, what are you thinking? Like, yeah. what are you thinking? I yeah, don't know. Crazy, crazy. Well, uh, another thing that I've, I've seen a lot of is, um, again, kind of like Burr, Airbnb or VRBO kind of short-term rentals. Uh, I've seen more and more posts, more and more easy money, more and more, you know, um, you know, lease it and then put furniture and re, you know, turn it in arbitrage, I guess they call it. I, I think there's, I think there's so many people pushing Airbnb is the easy button that I've seen, at least in the markets that I look at where people are down selecting quality and location. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that thought Airbnb was easy that end up getting hurt 
I, I don't know if you see the same things or not. I agree. People oh. are obsessed, obsessed with turning everything and anything anywhere into an Airbnb. And that's not, I don't want to say that's not how it works because it's working in the moment, but there's especially some markets that are like super yeah. saturated. Yeah. And again, even in some of these markets that are like mountain markets or beach mm -hmm. markets, mm -hmm. I have contacts that live in those markets and they're very on top of their market research and how many Airbnbs there are and what's selling. And I had a friend the other day that texted me, he was like, oh, I bought an Airbnb in this market, but it's going to do great. So it's such a vacation market. And my friend was like, I would never, that, that area is so saturated with Airbnbs, like, and so, but it's an out-of-state investor that of doesn't course. know the market. They're going by what the real estate agent's telling them. But yeah, people seem to be buying them everywhere and anywhere, like not even necessarily yeah. by a lake or by a no. beach, just freaking middle of anywhere. Yeah, like, well, I'll use it for <laughs> yeah. traveling nurses or I'll use it for Airbnb. And it's like, yeah, but there's so many of them. It's, it's and, and cities are and cities are going to go after them. And yeah, I think, um, again, I think if you Airbnb, like if, like, um, Anna Kelly, Ariana, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Who, you know, she's doing beachfront, you know, one of five on different mm -hmm. beaches. I'm like, okay, if you have the thing, mm -hmm. it's always going to work, right? Worst case, you adjust a couple of bucks and it fills up just fine. But mm -hmm. all of these people that look at Airbnbs and go, I can't afford beachfront, but you know what? Five blocks away across a freeway on the other side of the railroad <laughs> tracks, I found this house and you know, it's kind of close enough. Come yeah. on, come on. Yeah. And I feel like when it, for, when it first became a hot thing, I was like, oh, I might get into that if the numbers can work as a regular rental exactly. and work as an Airbnb. But that has totally gone out the window. People, nope, don't even, totally gone. people don't even care. They're just like, oh, just, it, I mean, it'll rent for whatever, $6,000 a night. And like, it would never work as a regular rental. And I, yeah. I'm kudos to them. I mean, my risk tolerance is way lower than that. My risk tolerance is way lower than that. Frankly, anything yeah. that's easy money, that's sold as easy money, I run away from. It's actually yeah. why I go to meetups still, because I want to know, yes, I want to give value clearly, but I'm trying yeah. to figure out what the 50 or 80 people in the room are doing, because I'm going to run away. <laughs> I'm going to run away from whatever they're doing. Well, there's time. I feel like I sometimes feel like I'm the only person not doing Airbnb. Oh, I'm not doing this. So no it's, chance. yeah. No, no. It's not that it's a great model. It's not that it doesn't work. But when, when your only option is to have 80 or 85% occupancy and it won't work as, as you've said, as a long-term rental, I do an yeah. Airbnb if worst case, I take the furniture out and I rent it, or maybe I even rent it full time, mm -hmm. but I'm not, these, these, you're down selecting and you're overpaying in a rising rate environment when we're going to have a recession. Mm -hmm. What part of this equation makes you think this is going to work long-term? Yeah scary, scary. Yeah. I get, and then the last thing to talk about is syndications. I've seen that, uh, again, you got uncomfortable. You did something new. When I spoke to you a year ago, maybe it was 18 months ago. It wasn't even on the radar. At least we didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, so, so what's going on there? What, what are you doing? Uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So I definitely don't have, um, I don't, I don't have all the pieces. So syndication is really about like getting with a team where everybody has different mm -hmm. strengths and everyone brings a different piece to the puzzle, I guess. Okay. So it's something I'm still learning about and working on. I really, from the time I started investing in 2004, I used private money. Mm -hmm. And then I've always used private money and educated people about private money and self-directed IRAs and everything. So private yep. money is a huge piece of 
syndications. Mm -hmm. So because I have such a large network of private money lenders, kind of my foot in the door to learning about syndications has been that I can raise capital for sure. syndications. And I have a rehab background. So if we do due diligence, I can go down there and look at a building and know what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. um, but how I started in them, honestly, was passively investing sure. for tax deductions. So I feel like when I passively invested as an LP, I learned a lot. And then someone came to me and asked me, hey, would you ever want to be a GP? And the whole time I'm reading about it, I'm learning about it, I'm like, okay, so what does that look like? And I can honestly say I, I like them because I love the collaborative effort. Like I love partnering on mm. stuff. I love the team effort. I love working with people that have different strengths than me. I don't think they're the end all be all. Um, and I feel like you have, the partners to me are more important than the deal. Not that yes. the deal is not important, but you have to have partners that know the market really well, mm -hmm. can have successfully performed with an asset in that market previously and know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't just be like, yeah, let me raise money for you because I'm putting my investors into this deal. So if I don't believe in the deal and I wouldn't invest in the deal, I'm like, no way. So yeah. it's really... Um, for me been like a referral thing. Sure. I passively invested in one. And then the guy I passively invested with referred me to another syndication that he had worked with these people before. And he was like, Hey, if you want to be a general partner and raise capital, we'll do this one. So I did that one. And then I did two others after that. And uh, my husband and I are passively invested in them. And now we're kind of like on break from that, I yeah. guess. I just don't, I don't like to put all my eggs in one basket. Um, so while I do love it, I also mm -hmm. think it's very complex. And in people will ask, how often will syndication deals come along? Because now my private lenders are like, I love the tax deductions. They yeah. love it. They're like hooked. And now they want more and more. And I'm like, it's not, they don't come up. Good ones yeah. don't come along that often. Yeah. So like I, maybe I, once or twice a year, I'm like, but I'm not going to be giving you syndication deals left and right. Like you have to wait for the really good ones where you're getting a really good deal without like overinflating things. Yeah. I, yeah. I have, uh, I, I, as an accredited investor and somebody could invest, I've seen some um, wild assumptions. I think, I think syndications today are, 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 are certainly as risky as we just talked about Airbnbs. I think there's a lot of rookies uh, capital has been remarkably easy. The easiest thing to do for two years was raise money. Oh, geez. It, terribly easy. Someone asked a question in a private lending group I was in the other day, and they were like, one of my borrowers told me that they can pretty much get money anywhere. And what are you, what are you doing to have your borrower pick you as a private lender? And I was, and is this true? I was like, it's true. It's been true for like three years. Like yeah. this is, and again, flippers, no idea how easy they have it. Like there's so much money just flooding the market and trying to get into real estate mm -hmm. that I, that money isn't thinking all the time, yeah. you know? So like, I feel like if you're a syndicator or you're a co-GP in a syndication, your, your job is to protect yeah, that I hope so. Your investors' money. Yeah. yeah. But some of like the cap rate assumptions and interest rate assumptions on a refinance or a oh. sale. Yeah. Some of them are, they're tight. It's some of them just don't look good yeah. at all. Yeah. I guess the last thing to talk about, because you and I have both raised millions of dollars in private money. Um, 
I remember the crash last time. So asset values, again, my market was crashing. Yours was a blip. Uh, but a lot of people got scared. I remember Bear Stearns, people walking out. And then again, I live in the Silicon Valley. Lots of people kind of just went to cash. They cashed out of the stock market. And, um, you know, there was a time where, mon when, where money was scared. And then at some point, once you had a track record and you proved that you were doing it, raising money was remarkably easy, but it always was reputation, sharing your story. And I think we're going to go back there. I think, I think, I think the last two years, easy money is over. The next two years are going to be hard, but the good operators um, will be able to perform. But I'm waiting for the adjustment, right? Because I think the real estate market's broken right now. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't, it's like anything else when you start seeing the stock market go down and I mean, private lenders get scared. They pull back. They don't want to invest in as many things, but they're going to invest with the people that they trust and that they've been with for a long time that they know are conservative. And even then still, a lot of them are going to drop off. They're just going to drop off and stop doing it and just sit on their cash, which honestly, I private lend all the time. And I don't, I don't blame them. Like we yeah. are choosier and choosier and choosier with what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing working today is cash. <laughs> Stocks down, cryptos down, all this yeah. stuff down. So very, very cool. Well, April, how can somebody follow you? Cause you put out amazing stuff. Yeah. Uh, YouTube channels, April Crosley, Instagram, April Crosley. We have a Facebook group, RV, REI on Facebook. People feel free to join. Awesome. Thanks, April. Thanks, Michael. Mm -hmm.